today the theme is thought. I managed to say that. It's quite good, isn't it? It's a, it's a tongue twister, isn't it? What I thought I'd do is actually talk about thought because this came up in the retreat today. You want, a lot of people want to calm their mind. They don't actually want to calm their mind just to have a quiet mind. They want to calm the mind because the contents of the mind are unsatisfactory. So to understand why that is, we have to understand what thought is. So if you listen in on your thought processes, what you'll hear is a story. It's a narrative. So let's say you're trying to figure something complicated out. This narrative will run. But the decisions about what you do and ideas aren't part of the narrative. What happens is they pop up. They're little aha moments. They're like little insights, intuition, and choice, insights, and inspiration. Each one of those is like a little solution to a little problem. And when you have enough, then something makes sense. It's actually got nothing to... Well, it's got something to do with the thought narrative. Because if if the narrative is working on something, then the intuition and insight and choices will all be associated to what we're thinking about. But if we're thinking about something in a really repetitive, it's got into a loop basis, that tends to go away. And we're just left with a loop. So it's as if the thought process spins its wheels. And, And that's kind of, that's an explanation of what it's like to think. It seems to come in these, in these two categories. You're thinking about something, there's the narrative, it could be a dialogue or it could be a monologue. I'm, I'm sure that most people experience that, but possibly not. So your thoughts might just be a monologue, so it might, might just be your, your inner voice. And, you know, there's a, there's a kind of sense about who you're talking to. You could be talking to yourself. You know, we've got this saying, haven't we? Go and give yourself a good talking to because you're thinking things that are unhelpful for your happiness. So somebody says, give yourself a good talking to. And we know what that consists of. And then there's the inner critic. And the inner critic can rattle away for a long time. So that's a kind of, at the very lightest level, what the experience of thought is. Then there's mind-wandering. And mind-wandering can be anything. So mind-wandering can be a long dialogue rattling on about something. Or it can be experiences uh, and the scenarios and memories. And they all, it all kind of fits together in a fuzzy sort of mosaic that doesn't really take you anywhere and often wastes your time. And then often... These choices and intuition and insights will arise. Personally, one of the times I find that that my mind is most useful, that it pops up good ideas and sensible suggestions and choices and it remembers stuff that I forgot is when I'm in the shower or something like that. So I'm actually not really thinking at all, or if I am, I'm in a kind of wafty 
shower place and then there's something, ah, I've forgotten to turn the gas off or whatever it happens to be, you know, it just pops up into your mind, doesn't it? And one of the reasons for that, I think, is because your mind's calm and you're relaxed, it, it, gives, it creates a space for the ideas to arise. So that's just my, I mean, sure, everybody's different in some way, but I'm sure you all recognise some aspects of your inner experience there. But people want to, to calm the mind. I speak to my students, and about sort of 10, 15% of them admit to having a constant inner dialogue, so it just doesn't shut up. So they wake up in the morning, yada, 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 they go to bed at night, yada, yada, and it hasn't silenced. And when they're doing the meditations in the background, yada, 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 and it doesn't stop. I, I think more people experience that, but I don't think we're very comfortable admitting it. So a lot of people want me to teach them to silence their mind. <clears throat> and you'd think that there would be some clever technique. I can only really teach you how I silence my mind, and, and I can tell you the theory that I have about how we can really calm the mind down. It's an, it's an interesting guy called Eckhart Tolle, who's very... Has anybody read any, read any of his books? The Power of Now, for example. Yeah, uh, He was interviewed... And so he's a world-famous author, travels all over the place, meets people like Oprah and the Dalai Lama and so on and so forth. So he's, he's rich and famous. And, you know, it's a very common question from the journalists when, when they're speaking to a rich and famous person. They say, what was the best moment of your life? And they're kind of expecting... Oh, the release of my book, when I sold 10 million copies, when I met the Dalai Lama, and he said, when I learned to silence my mind. <laughs> so, shut up talking, Robert. How do you silence the mind? One of the things to realise before I go on and get to the nitty-gritty is that the mind is most active when there's an inconsistency between what you're experiencing and what you expect. And the greater the inconsistency is, the more work the mind's doing, because what it's doing is it's creating a story, and the story has to be consistent. Actually, very little is consistent about our experience, but we need to have this story, the story of me, and it needs to be a continuous story, and we need an explanation for why that person's so angry with me, or why I appear to be rejected, or why, or why all the whys, we've got to have an answer. And the narrative finds an answer. And it finds an answer whether it makes any sense or not. It's a thing called the interpreter. And it's there to interpret your experience in a way that's consistent with what you already believe, no matter what your experience is which is why, that's where denial comes from. Everyone has seen denial. Somebody's in denial of something. That comes in when their reality isn't consistent with their expectations. And then, of course, the mind's got a lot of work to do. And if you speak to the person that's in denial, they'll give you a story. 
and you listen to the story and you know that it's got nothing to do with reality. It's the story that they use to keep their story going. When we're talking about silencing our minds, what we actually want to do is to calm it down. To be honest, I can just shut it up, but not in the way you'd expect. So this is what I've experienced. All of the, the ways that I observed my inner experience and the things I did. So I did all of this meditation and uh, tried this meditation and that meditation. There's no meditation called the How to Silence Your Mind meditation. But in this process, one of the things that I was doing was looking inwards. best way to explain it is as an analogy with day-to-day experience. When we start meditating... I'll do a meditation that will give you a bit of insight into what this might be like inside. To really calm the mind, the way that I do it is I listen to the thoughts. So it's the opposite. A lot of, a lot of what happens in the mind, it, so you've got a causal world out of here. In the mind, often you get the reversed effect to what you expect. Let me give you an example. Let's say you've got to get up early in the morning. So what you do is you leave yourself plenty of time. You go to bed early so that you can get a good night's sleep. And what what are you doing? You're trying to get to sleep. It's really important you get to sleep. So the harder you try to get to sleep, the more difficult it is to sleep. And then the mind starts up. Churn, 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 churn. You're trying to get to sleep, trying to get to sleep, trying to get to sleep. This only happens to 80% of people. Some people just sleep anywhere. But for the rest of the other, see 80%. Try and try and try and try and get to four, 2 o'clock in the morning. You've got to get up at 4.30 for this flight. You think, oh, might as well stay awake. Out like a light. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's just one example where you're trying to get an effect and you get the opposite. So I find my mind is calmest the inner chatter when I'm witnessing it it's a little bit like the more you listen in the external world to something the more you become aware of it with the mind it's different let me give you an example right what's the next thing you're going to think quickly what is it there you go silence your mind You can't do this to yourself, unfortunately. (laughs) Well, you can't and you can. You can in a way, because what you can do is you can look for that place where the thoughts are coming from. Because that's what you were doing. Now, I can't show you how to do it, but that's it. What's the next thing you're going to think? You're kind of listening internally to that place where thoughts arise. And you didn't know that you knew where it was until you started looking. You only started looking when I said it's really important. Where's the next thought coming from? That's the place to look. What you're doing is you're not trying to silence the mind. You want the thought to come. Because what you want is to know what it's like to observe a thought come into your experience. And you're looking for it. We'll do an external version 
of my meditation that helps me to calm my mind. All my, now, nowadays, I just look. Where's the thought? Goes, goes quiet. Because I've learned to, to look there. The external version of the meditation, in the same way that when we, when we meditate and we look inwards, we're looking for the source of thought. We want to find out where it is. With this, what we're actually doing is listening externally. It's the meditation of no meditation. And the meditation of no meditation is very important that we don't fall into the trap of making it a meditation. It's just an exercise. And what it is, is a listening exercise. And so... So once you're somewhere where there's enough sound, in this listening exercise, what we're doing is allowing that sound into our experience. And what the mind normally does, let's say I was to say to you, right, sit down and listen to your experience, what you can hear, the mind will tend to go and find something and notice it. For instance, there's the door creaking. So what it will be doing is it will be wondering if there's anybody opening the door, coming in or out, so we'll open our eyes and so on. So it's got, kind of got a purpose. It wants to know what's going on around it. And it does that by choosing one sound, then another sound. It's as if we're looking around ourselves. We're looking at one thing, then we're looking at something else, looking at something else. But this is slightly different. In this exercise, the meditation of no meditation for sound, what we're actually doing is allowing all sound into our awareness. So we're fortunate to have sound. We've got the door creaking. We've got people out in the hallway coming and going. There's the sound of the traffic. There's the sound of my voice. There's movements in the room. And wherever you are, you're at the center of a big bubble of sound that stretches for a long way. So if there's an airplane that you can hear, it's many miles. So there's this bubble of sound stretching for many miles. So here, a few hundred yards, we can hear the traffic, and a few feet, we can hear the people. It's the bubbles all around us. And in it is a collection of sounds. And what we're doing, rather than the mind moving from one sound to another, instead, what we do is allow ourselves to be aware of all sound. So it's like if we were lying, floating in the centre of a swimming pool, there's people all around us swimming and splashing and playing. There'd be waves coming from everywhere. And all we'd notice is the movement of the waves all around us. We wouldn't be able to identify an individual wave. Oh, there's, there's the person over in the corner. It's just yet another wave. And sound is waves, so what we're doing is allowing all of these waves in. So it's like, another way of looking at it is, it's as though we were listening to an orchestra, and we can either choose to listen to an individual instrument, 
or we can listen to the theme. And that's what all this sound is coming from everywhere. It's the theme of the orchestra of the present moment. And it's all around us and we're in the centre of it. And we can actually use it to orient ourselves with. So let's say all the lights went out and it was really dark and we couldn't see anything. We'd know where we were because of the sounds around us. And we'd be able to navigate our way around in the building. And that's all this exercise consists of, is listening. Now there's no goal, no expectations, you don't get anything. It's not training for anything. It's just an exercise in listening to help us to learn how to listen. do every so often to add to the orchestral nature of the experience I'll sound the bell so that's all we're doing we're just listening So there's, there's no trying, this is the key to this. We're not trying to do anything because there isn't a goal. So we're not trying to silence our mind, we're not trying to focus on anything, we're not trying to count, we're not trying to do anything. Just aware of sound. time, gently return your attention to your surroundings. Okay, so that was a listening exercise. Now what we're going to do is do the same thing inside and listen, listen to your thoughts. Notice how we were able to listen. There wasn't a 
connection to it, just noticing it. And thoughts will rise, thoughts will subside. But what you want to do is to find where they come from. So out here in the room, with the eyes closed, we know the sound's coming from over there when the door creaks. Inside, the thoughts are coming from somewhere. We want to know where that is. So, Just witnessing the thoughts. So we're not trying to silence them. We want to know where they come from. We want to have that experience of noticing a thought come into our mind. And so the place we're looking is a place somewhere, somewhere in the universe, between our ears, in our body, to the left of us, above us, behind us, we don't know where. We're looking for the location, the place in space where thoughts arise. Even if there's a thought, if there's, if there's a constant thought, what we're looking for is the next one. The thought that hasn't arisen yet. Or if there's an inner dialogue, the word that hasn't been spoken internally yet. That's the one we want to catch. And we're not trying to do anything with it. We just want to see it, notice it, observe it, experience it, hear it. And most importantly, discover where it arises. So this isn't so much listening to our thoughts, it's discovering where the next thought is going to arise and what it will be. So this is what I call the meditation of the next thought. gets uncomfortable for anybody, you don't have to continue, you can drop out, you can do the meditation and no meditation for sound, so you're noticing the sounds, the external sounds. But if you're comfortable with it, and keep looking.
So noticing the sensation of sitting, feeling of your feet being pushed into the ground, noticing your fingers and toes, maybe wiggling them, what you can smell, what you can taste, and then gently in your very own time, return your attention to your surroundings. There's two responses. One response is calm mind, the other response is busy mind. Busy mind people, calm mind people. 50-50. But it doesn't matter because there are lots and lots of different meditations for calm mind and busy mind. The world's divided into two groups. Okay. <clears throat> so my theory is that all the people who had a busy mind that time round, this meditation will calm their mind. That's my, that's my prediction. And then we'll do another meditation after that, and we might swap back to this particular combination. It's more about calming it than silencing it. But you keep looking, and in time, one day, when you're feeling powerful, it will happen. Okay, so this meditation... This is the meditation that most people find calm their mind. Counting the breaths. What we're doing is noticing the breath. For people that first start to do this, there's a tendency, because what you're doing is you're counting the in-breaths, counting the out-breaths, using the inner voice. So you're counting one on the in-breath, two on the out-breath, three on the in-breath, four on the out-breath, like that. I'll run through the rest of it. Uh, but to clarify, the, the, the thing that most people find, many people find difficult to it, is that they find themselves breathing in time to their counting instead of counting the breaths. So in the same way that we were listening to the sounds externally and that we were listening internally for our thoughts, it's the same thing, we're noticing the breath. So we're not causing the breath to happen, we're noticing it. So it's good to start off by noticing the breath. Just noticing the breath rising and falling without doing any counting. In breath, out breath. Rising, falling. That's the relationship to the breath for counting the breath. You're noticing the breath happen. We count one on the in-breath, using the inner voice, two on the out-breath, three on the in-breath, four on the out-breath, until we get to 10. When we get to 10, we start at one. When we lose count, we start at one. So that's one on the in-breath, two on the out-breath, three on the in-breath, four on the out-breath, up to 10. Get to 10, begin at 1. Lose count, begin at 1. So I'll begin and end it with a bell. I'll guide you into it. This is called counting the breaths. So it's 1 on the in-breath, 2 on the out-breath, 3 on the in-breath, 4 on the out-breath, up to 10. When you reach 10, start at 1. When you lose count, start at 1. Remember the relationship to the breath is one of witnessing the breath. We're noticing it. 
when we notice it rise, we count one. When we notice it subside, we count two, and so on. Okay, so again, noticing the sensation of sitting, feeling yourself being pushed into the ground, noticing what you can smell and taste, and return to your attention to the room. If that calmed your mind, this one probably won't, but we'll see how it goes. <laughs> so this is, what I do is I divide the world up into counters and labellers. Counters are people whose minds become calm from counting the breaths. Labelers are people whose minds become calm by doing labelling the thoughts. So for labelling the thoughts, again, there's an element of listening. But what we do is we start off by noticing the breath. So when we're noticing the breath in labelling the thoughts, we're using it as a reality check 
to know that we're here. While I'm aware of my breath, I know that I'm present. My mind hasn't wandered. Because it's like an anchor to the present moment. We know it's here. While I'm aware of the breath, here I am. And so you're noticing the breath. And while you're doing that, yet again, you're listening for thoughts. When a thought arises, what you do is you label it in your mind using a word. And the word is thinking. And then you you label it and you come back, you're noticing the breath. Noticing the breath. Thought arises in a voice. You say in your mind, thinking. Come back to the breath. Another thought, thinking. Back to the breath. So it's got an element of listening to it. The internal listening that we did earlier. Um, and, and you're waiting so it's like a cat sitting outside a mouse hole it knows the mouse is in there that's the thought it knows it's got to come out doesn't know if it's going to be straight away might be five seconds might be ten seconds but there's going to be a thought so the cat sits there calmly in the knowledge that the mouse is going to come out we sit calmly noticing listening to the thoughts knowing that the thought's going to arise and when a thought arises We label it thinking in our mind and then back to the breath, wait for the next thought. Just give that a whirl. So if you just want to get yourselves comfortable. And we bring our attention to the breath. We're just noticing the breath. Noticing the breath rising. Noticing the breath falling. We're staying connected to that so that we know we're present. We know we're here. Our mind hasn't wandered while we're aware of the breath. And while we're doing that, we're listening out for thoughts. Noticing wherever the thoughts come from. That's where we're focused. We're waiting for the next thought. When a thought arises, what we do is label it in our mind using the inner voice. And we say in our mind thinking and then we're back to noticing the breath and we're waiting for the next thought another thought arises label it thinking back to the breath wait for the next thought so this is labeling the thoughts noticing the breath waiting for a thought thought arises label it thinking Back to the breath, wait for the next thought, repeat.
so what we're going to do is move straight into another exercise. This is what I call the meditation of no meditation for the breath. And what it consists of is noticing a movement in the belly as we breathe. So all we're doing is noticing the movement. So there's no instructions with this other than to notice the movement of the belly. And the place we notice the movement of the belly is the point just where the belly meets the chest. And all we're doing is noticing that movement, noticing the rising, noticing it falling. Rising, falling. So there's nothing to try to do, no goals, no expectations. You don't get anything out of it because it's a meditation of no meditation. If we ask why we're doing it, we're doing it because we don't get anything out of it. We do everything to get something out of it. So it's good to have something that we just do without gaining anything. Just noticing the breath rising in the belly and falling. Doesn't matter if the mind wanders, doesn't matter if your thoughts are busy, doesn't matter what emotions there are. If you're uncomfortable, move until you're comfortable. We're just noticing that movement, the rising and the falling. Okay, and so now, move your attention to the breath in the nostrils. The best way to do that is if you place your tongue gently up against the back of the top teeth, 
what you find is you naturally breathe in and out through the nostrils. So check in on your posture. Are you comfortable? Is your back reasonably straight? Are your elbows by the side? Is your chin up? Are you, is your skull as comfortably balanced on top of the spine as it can be? Are you comfortable? And then you're noticing the sensation of the breath in the nostril. Noticing the feeling of the in-breath and the feeling of the out-breath. The coolness of the in-breath and the warmth of the out-breath. And then the mind will wander. This exercise is designed so that the mind wanders. Why it's so neutral. We wanted to keep the mind focused on something, we'd make it more interesting. But we want the mind to wander. So that we notice, and then we notice the mind's wandered. And we bring our attention back, notice the breath. We're noticing the breath. Mind wanders, thoughts, images, scenarios, memories, experience, comfort, discomfort, wherever it goes. When you notice that the mind's wandered, your only job is to come back and notice the breath. Noticing the breath, mind wanders, back to the breath, notice the breath, mind wanders, back to the breath, repeat. This is the main mindfulness meditation. If you only do one and you can choose, then do this one. It's called following the breath. Cool breath in, warm breath out.
This isn't an exercise to try to calm the mind. Just a process of allowing the mind to wander, bringing it back, wander, bringing it back, repeating that over and over again. That's the purpose of it. So if your mind wanders a lot, that's fine. It's doing what it's supposed to. If your mind's busy, it doesn't matter. The mind wanders a thousand times. All we do is gently return our attention to the breath a thousand times. So the mind will try to turn it into a competition, it'll attach expectations to it, it will decide it's unsatisfactory, none of that matters. Doesn't matter how you feel, whatever thoughts there are, doesn't matter. Just noticing the breath. Mind wanders noticing the breath. Yeah, so now just let your mind go free. Let it go wherever it wants. Think about anything. Notice anything. Whatever it wants to do. time, whenever you're ready, gently return your attention to your surroundings. Okay. That was a roller coaster ride through a, a bundle of different meditations. And they aren't really meditations about thought, but they're meditations where you become more familiar with thought. That's the whole purpose of it. If you make the purpose of meditation to become familiar with the mind, you can't go wrong. If you sit down and you get half an hour of mind wandering for a meditation, you're half an hour of mind wandering better at understanding your mind. 
And if it's half an hour of under, uh, unhelpful mind-wandering, you're half an hour more comfortable with the uncomfortable mind-wandering. And then bit by bit by bit, you get comfortable with your inner processes and they, 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 then they become karma, without a doubt. Just familiarity with them. It's like having a new neighbour. Just spending time with a neighbour's good. You get to learn their funny little ways. And that's what we're doing with the mind. And notice how it's got funny, really funny little ways. You know, it often it does the opposite of what you want a lot of the time. Other times it does it, and then it will change. It's it's not called the monkey mind for nothing. And so it's just a matter of becoming familiar with it. Calm comes karma. You become karma. World becomes a better place. So I hope you enjoyed that podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to whatever channel you use to get here. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to send them to me, info at bromleymindfulness.org.uk or through any of the usual social channels. Thanks.